until you've fulfilled your purgatory duties, but that's not in the Bible. But eternal life is forever, and so we, we talked about that last week, and our eternal God and our eternal word gives us hope of an eternal life, and so that was last week. Tonight, we're looking at something that is as important as anything because without it, we don't know anything, and that is, is the Bible the word of God? Can you trust the word of God? Is it, is it something you can trust? Well, if we don't have the Bible, what do we have? Uh, because it's from the Bible that we get everything. And uh, some people believe in the church more than they believe in the Bible. And that, that's why they're so loyal. As I mentioned Catholicism a minute ago, they're so loyal to church. I think probably uh, Mormon church and other churches are, are similar to that where it's the church is the final authority. And, and they put all this emphasis on church. And I'm so glad it's not on man. Now, I do believe in God's local church, but God's local church will be a place where the Bible is at. All right. You go to a place where they're all about church but not about Bible, you're in the wrong place. And it doesn't matter what else they're doing. If they're not preaching and teaching the Word of God and the Word, the word of God being the correct Word of God, you're in the wrong place and you're not going to be able to, they're not going to be the pillar and ground of truth for very long and you're not going to get anything out of it after a while. It'll cause destruction. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I have picked on the radio preachers and TV preachers before, and, and I just want to say that the Word of God is not just for doctrine. It's not just for teaching. I know there are some good teachers that teach a lot of things on television and radio and and some of the, what they teach is accurate however the bible's not just for teaching what's the next word for reproof reproof is is reproof it's it's correcting people that are wrong all right the bible is for that the bible is not just for reproof in church the bible is for for reproof in your home um there's no better way to teach your young people something than to reprove them with the word of God and explain to them that what they did or what they're doing is against the word of God for correction. So not just telling them what they did wrong, but then showing them how to get back right. That's correction. You have a broken leg, you correct it with a splint to get it back correctly. So it doesn't do us any good to be told we're wrong if we don't have a way to get corrected. And isn't it wonderful that the Bible doesn't just tell us we're wrong, but then tells us how to get corrected and to get back on track. And then for instruction, in righteousness. The Bible is given by inspiration of God. What does it mean when it says inspiration? It means it's God breathed. Pneuma is the idea of breath. In fact, Mrs. Matheson spelled pneumonia for us a little bit ago. Pneuma is the idea of wind, and it's the very word for the Spirit of God as well, pneuma. And when it in the Greek word it says theo pneuma or theopneustos. Because theo is theology, theos, God. So when it says theonustos, it's God breathed. That's literally what it is. God breathed. And, and so inspiration, God's word is inspired by him. He spoke it. Without breath, you can't speak. And so he spoke it. It's wind-driven, just like pneumatic tools. It's wind-driven. The word of God is a wind-driven thing. And it was given by wind-driven. So it's, it's God's word. He literally spoke it and man wrote it down. This means that the Bible is God's 
word and that he is the author of the Bible. Look at your book, if you will, on page nine. Since God is the author of the Bible, it, and it really could be capitalized it, it is the source of authority for faith and life. Did you notice the word author and the word authority are right over each other? And did you notice that the word author and the word authority are very similar to almost the same word? You know why? Because author makes you the authority. So if God's the author, he's also the authority. This is why people don't want the word of God to be the authority because they don't want that God to be the author. If they can get God not being the author, if they can just say that the Bible is written by men and that the Bible is just a book written by men, then it erases the author and it erases the authority. Guess what? It wasn't written by old men that are dead. It was, it was written, but it wasn't given by old men that were dead. It was given by the author who is still very much alive and who is still very much in authority. The truth is, everybody believes something. Everybody has a Bible. Not, not our kind of Bible. But everybody's got some kind of belief. A lot of people have a science book as a belief, a science textbook. A couple of years ago, I was just amazed at how many people were trusting the science. Bunch of dingalings. What was it just this week they finally have admitted that, I think it was Pfizer, that's finally admitted that they really didn't know if the vaccination, you know what I mean. But we trust the science, okay? Listen, the world is full of people who would rather trust the science than trust the Bible. And the thing about science books is they always change. They always get updated and edited and rearranged. The Bible isn't supposed to. A lot of people's modern versions are getting updated, but the Word of God doesn't need to get changed. It stays the same. And the authority stays the same. And it don't, it, we don't need to change it. But you find out a lot of what people believe just by what they look to and what they go to for their source. Um, some people believe in this or that or whatever, but all believe in something. I really am amazed at some of the doctrines that people believe in, like purgatory. I mentioned with Catholicism. And, and like the Mormons and things like that. You know, um, we have people that come to our church that used to be in the Mormon religion. They can talk more about it than I can. But I'm just amazed that, you know, that... You know, this idea of, of other planets and other worlds and, and repopulating and all this sort of thing. And uh, it, it's, it's, and then the fact that Joseph Smith looked into a hat and, and, uh, and you know, and, and looked into a crystal ball, sort of speak, or whatever, and some kind of a, you know, talisman and, 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 and prophesied. It's amazing what people will believe. It's amazing to believe that. Uh, I even read where they, uh, the, the theory was is that the original. Uh, or the lost tribes of Israel are actually the American Indian and uh, that they floated on on upside down type of covered wagons across the Atlantic and got to America and, and that's how they got here. Uh, it's amazing what people believe and the, the, the places in the Book of Mormon that, that have never been found. There are no archaeological evidence to, to show that anywhere in North America lines up with what they say is in the Book of Mormon or Moroni or whatever it is. And then someone about 20, 30 years ago did a DNA test on Native Americans and then did a DNA test with people who say they're Jews and there's no connection. But that's the whole theory was built on the idea that they're the lost tribes of Israel. Um, people will believe a lot of things. Now I'm talking about huge tabernacles and temples that have gotten built and lots of wealth and power. And uh, people will believe something. It's not just the Wizard of Oz. 
there are a lot of things that people will believe, but they'd rather believe in that than the Word of God. I, I really am quite shocked that people believe in the Big Bang Theory. I'm really quite shocked that they believe in billions and millions of years ago and tadpoles turned into frogs and turned into you and me from uh, the goo to the zoo to you and me and you. I, I, I'm just amazed at that, that they believe that. But all of us believe something. And really our beliefs determine our behavior. Uh, what we believe will determine how we behave. And Bible believers then should behave the Bible. If we really believe the word of God, we should behave like it. Sometimes I wonder if people really believe what they say. I, I've talked about preachers, preachers that that after they retire, they stop going to church. Like, how did you preach that? And then after you retire, how do you just step down and act like, well, I don't need to do that anymore? Or, or, or pastors who, who come to find out they held the title deed of the property in their own name, and after they left the church, then they charged rent to the church they started instead of the church owning the property of the past. It's like, do you not believe one day you're going to stand before God? You know, but if you believe the word of God, you'll behave it. You know, you'll behave it. You'll, you'll behave what you believe. And we all do. Is the Bible God's word? It is the only reliable source in all the world to tell us who God is and what God is like. If someone says they believe in God, but they're not really into God's word, what do they believe in? I mean, you, you, you can't know God without knowing his word. I mean, you might be able to look around at the birds and the, and the trees and the creation and say, I believe there's a God, but that's not really knowing him. I mean, you can't possibly know him any better than knowing this book. The word, word, comes from the Greek word logos. In the beginning was the word, the word of God. Logos actually is where we get the idea, the word logic. And so God's logos, God's logic you can't possibly find a better source of how to know what God thinks and who God is than the very word of God. It's not just the story of God, it's his very words on paper. It's the only reliable source in all the world to tell us who God is and what God's like. It is the book that tells us where we come from, why we're here, and where we're going. And you know how many people don't know that? They don't know where we come from. They believe the textbooks. They don't know why they're here. And that's why they're miserable. And worst of all, they don't know where they're going, which is going to be next week's lesson. Do you know how many people are searching for those three answers? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And our Bible tells us all three things. And you know how many people are not aware of that? They're not aware of that. Those three things right there. There are questions planted deeply in the heart of every human being that can only be adequately answered from the Bible. And, and let me just say this. God does not tell us everything he knows. He just tells us everything he wants us to know. The Bible is not everything God knows. It's just everything he wanted us to know. And trust me, it's enough. <laughs> it's more than I can handle. The box says the Bible is God's revelation of himself and of his word to man. Since the Bible is the only source for those answers about life and eternity, guess who hates it? The devil. First thing you ever see the devil doing with a human, human being is in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, the first thing that the devil did with a human being was to ask them, did God really say that? To get them to doubt 
the Word of God. I'm telling you right now that you might think that education by itself is the reason why people don't have a good life. It isn't education by itself. It's an ignorance of the Word of God. God's Word is so important and so vital. And without the Word of God, nations crumble, cities crumble, families crumble because the Word of God is what is so potent. And so Satan doesn't care if you are religious. Satan doesn't care if people get baptized. Satan doesn't care if you do a lot of religious things. Satan doesn't care how many people go to church as long as that church doesn't really believe and teach the very Word of God. It is the very word of God that Satan trembles at because that's what's powerful. When Jesus was being tempted of Satan, what did Jesus use against Satan? He used the word of God. He didn't just tell Satan something. And trust me, anything Jesus would have told him would have been fine. But Jesus on purpose quoted from Deuteronomy three different times. That's our example. That, that's how we need to understand that to fight Satan and to fight this world. And that's why I mentioned about memorizing the songs that we sing. It's so good to, to sing and to, and to not just skip the song service or to not pay attention to the song service because I'm telling you right now, the songs, a lot of them in our, not, not, in, not in a lot of churches, but in our hymnal, the songs have doctrine straight out of the Bible. And they remind us of what God's word is saying. And the devil hates it. That's why the Bible tells us to speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The devil hates the word of God and he hates it with a passion more than we can imagine. In history, we see that the devil has sought to eliminate God's word and those who declare it. There's a guy named John Wycliffe. He lived about 1400 and something. John Wycliffe was, he was caught up in the European time where the state religion was Catholicism basically. But John Wycliffe was a studier of the Bible. And John Wycliffe knew that there were things that the church was teaching that was not in the Bible. And John Wycliffe was against it and was writing tracts against some of those things. Uh, you know, they, we have what's called communion in the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. They have what they call, you know, constant or excuse me, transubstantiation or whatever it might be, where they believe that God actually becomes, Jesus actually becomes the bread and the blood. He, that's literally his body. John Wycliffe said, that's, that's baloney, and he wrote a tract against it. And he had followers called the Lollards, and they would retranslate the Bible, translate it into common vernacular so that people could read it and know the word of God, so they would understand they're being fooled by the priests, and they would, they would understand that. The church, of course, controlled the state because there was no separation of church and state in Europe like there is here. And the church controlled the state, so eventually they got permission to, to, to execute John Wycliffe. But by the time they got permission, he was so old, he died. He died of a stroke in a chair in his church, uh, and they weren't able to kill him. So what they did is they dug up his bones and they burned all his bones. They, that's how much they hated him. That's how much they hated his existence because of his influence. And it wasn't really John. It was the Bible. That's what they hated, okay? Same with William Tyndale. About 100 years later, William Tyndale, in fact, this just, this, just the anniversary of this was just last week. William Tyndale in, in October, uh, I think it was 1536 maybe it was, or I can't remember exactly. But in October of that year, 1500 and something, they tied him to the stake and they put all kinds of Bibles that they could find that he had been in, in responsible for and then would, and they started on fire. And m mercifully, they strangled him against the post 
<clears throat> as he was burning so that he literally, he you know, technically died of strangulation, but they burned him alive or almost alive. And as he was dying, he cried out, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And about 60 years later, the King James Version, King James, different king, allowed the word of God to be freely given in English. Uh, we still use, William Tyndale is the English person responsible for like author and finisher of our faith. He's the first one to translate that into English. All right? And and so this is a blood-bought book. This is a book that people died for. By the way, I, I don't know many people who are dying as martyrs for the modern versions. But they were dying for this old book and the lineage that, that it represents. In the 1700s, there was a guy named Voltaire. And he said, by 100 years of the, from my death... Uh, the Bible will cease to exist. Well, he was wrong. As a matter of fact, the Geneva Bible Society bought his house and turned it into a Bible printing press. That was kind of neat. Ingersoll, Robert Ingersoll was a friend of uh, Lou, Lou Wallace, and Ingersoll was a Civil War soldier. Lou Wallace was a Civil War soldier. And Ingersoll became a very famous atheist, and Lou Wallace was very much impressed by Ingersoll. But Lou Wallace sat down and started writing a fictional story about the Bible. Uh, but in studying the Word of God, he, he went to Israel and, and looked at the lands and then read the Word of God and realized that God's Word is true and accurate. Lou Wallace later wrote a fictional story called Ben-Hur. He was also governor of New Mexico, but Robert Ingersoll died an atheist uh, who would never turn to the Lord or never admit that he was wrong. God's word is hated by those uh, who do not want to submit to God. And it is loved by those who, who God has saved and changed their life. Uh, we, we live in a wicked world not because we do not have a Bible, but because we have neglected the Bible. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 13 says, uh, Whoso despiseth the word, shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. We live in a godless society. Despising the word of God is just ignoring it. It's neglecting it. It's not counting it valuable. I was just talking to someone not too long ago who was talking about a wedding that they were in. And they were sad they were sad and disappointed because the wedding, although it was nice and although it was appropriate that these two people were getting married, there was nothing about God in the wedding. It was God-less. Okay? Do you understand that God is the inventor of weddings? He's the inventor of marriage? And that's what's happened. We just have become God-less. Someone pointed out that in the 50s, we had Leave It to Beaver and uh, Andy Griffith. The issue, though, is in the 60s, the issue, though, is, is that they were able to solve most of their problems without the Bible. That's make-believe. Okay? Now, the audience, of course, still had biblical respect and biblical knowledge. 
But on TV, everything was getting solved without using the Word of God. And the truth is, you cannot have a leave it to beaver life without the Bible. It doesn't exist. You can't, you can't do it that way. Uh, an illustration would be the video we've got in our library called Time Changer. And it was put out uh, 15 years ago. And, and it's, it's that very illustration where uh, men think that they can have morality without the Word of God. It's impossible. You can't possibly have uh, what you want without God and His Word. And this nation was founded on the Word of God. I've got New England primer and even Dallas textbooks from 70 years ago where they had the Bible as part of the classroom. The New England primer had the Bible verses for every letter of the alphabet. The Word of God was the reason why they wanted to educate their kids so their kids could read the Word of God. In fact, some of the founders said we need to be careful that we don't have so many books for our kids to read that they don't have time to read the Bible. And so what's happened is, without even realizing it, we are godless. It doesn't matter if they're nice people or if they have good morals. If there's no Bible, they're not getting what they need most. It's like the main vitamin that they're not getting. And so we need to understand the importance of God's word. And our country doesn't have a foundation like it used to, and we're seeing that now. There, you couldn't fool the people back in the 60s like you can fool the people in the 2020s of things because there's no knowledge of God. You couldn't pull COVID off in the 1960s. But you can pull it off in the 2020s because there's so many people who respect the scientists more than anything else. And so many people that are so afraid of dying more than anything else, instead of trusting in God and recognizing God and his creation and his ability to create an immune system and on and on. So page 10 and 11 in our book, let's look at this. The testimony of the Bible concerning itself. How do we know the Bible is God's word? We've already seen that the Bible claims that it's God-breathed in 2 Timothy 3. When God breathed his word, he used 40 different human penmen or, or secretaries over a period of 1,500 years. This is something else that's very different than these other books I mentioned. Joseph Smith, one author. How hard, it is it, how hard is it to make up your own Bible if you're the only author, only human author? But you know how hard it is to get 1,500 years of, of time period with 40 different people who, who don't all even know each other, and yet everything collaborates? How hard is it for Isaiah to write, a virgin will have a son, and then 750 years later, a virgin does have a son? Well, listen, Seth, Isaiah can't pull that off. And so the, the idea that these 40 different men just made up something, no, no, no. God was the author. He was the author when Moses was alive, writing the first five books. And he was the author when John was writing Revelation. And it all fits together perfectly. And we we read about this and how God used men to write his word. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And this, I, I love this topic because I love, I love the Bible. I love why the Bible is important. I love how important it is. Second Peter 1, verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If you back up to verse 19, it says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. If you back up even further than that to verse number 
uh, uh, 17, Peter talks about, in 18, he talks about how that he, along with James and John, heard a voice from heaven in Matthew 17. Peter says, I was there and I heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He heard God's voice from heaven. And yet in verse 19, he said, but we have a more sure word than even what I heard. I love that because sometimes people say experience is more sure than the word. No, no, no. The truth is, is the word of God is more, is more potent than your experience. Thomas said, unless I feel his hands and see the nail prints in his hands, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. That's you and I. And so our word, the word of God is enough. Listen, I've been to Israel, but I'm going to tell you right now, you do not have to go to Israel to know God's word. That's, that's a ridiculous idea. God gave us his word. God did not give us all free tickets to Israel. God gave us his word. He wants us to know his word. The Bible also says it's trustworthy in all its parts. Second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13, it talks about the words of God, not just generally speaking, but the very words. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 19, it's, or excuse me, 13, it says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost, the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, the very word of God. Uh, if you were here last year, I think it was Sunday nights, we talked about the Bible and why we believe it is the word of God. Notice words, all scripture, every word is God breathed. Every word of it came from God. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We learned that any of the Bible, any of word of the Bible, before man ever had it, it was already settled in heaven. Here's what we, we don't understand. Yes, Moses wrote the first five books. Yes, David wrote the Psalms and and Solomon wrote Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And yes, a different men, Isaiah wrote. And, but the truth is it was already in God's mind and it was already settled in heaven before man ever got it. The word of God existed before it was on earth. Abraham never actually read the book of Moses because Moses hadn't been alive yet. But Abraham knew the, the word of God. It says in Galatians that the scriptures preached to Abraham. Galatians 3 says the scriptures preached to Abraham. The scriptures were around before the scriptures were written. Just like Jesus was around before he was born. All scripture settled in heaven. And God's word is eternal. And God's word doesn't change. Isaiah chapter 40 Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 says, The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as the flower of the field. The glass, grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Just the other day, talking to people who are dying, they said, It happened so fast didn't even know it had no warning it just happened it's because we're grass we're human beings we're just here today and gone tomorrow verse verse 8 says the grass withereth and the flower fadeth but the word of our god shall stand forever sure there are nations that rise 
and there are nations that fall, but God's word stays the same. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now. God's word's going to be around longer than any of them. That's why I love the Bible. Because if I'll obey the Bible, I'm not going to be sorry. A thousand years from now, I'm not going to be sorry. Because a thousand years from now, a lot of the jokers that are around right now won't be here. But that will be here. And if I obey it and have believed it, I'll be here too. And I will be. God's word won't change. The only way to escape condemnation is to hear it and believe it. That's what John 5.24 says. We'll turn to there later. Now, how did God use men to write his word? Well, let me give you an example. Second Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Here's what David said. David wrote a lot of the Bible. But it wasn't really David's words. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 1. Here's what David said. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel said, Verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. See that? That's inspiration. David said, It wasn't my words. It was his word, and he spoke through me. So the Bible, its own testimony of, of itself and how it, how it came about. We understand God's word is here from him. And he just used men as secretaries to write it down. Just as I would pull out this pen and I would use this pen to write words on paper. So God grabbed a hold of man and used man to, to write his word. Secondly, the testimony of Jesus Christ concerning the Bible. You know, Jesus also gave credence to some very hard things to believe. Go with me to Matthew, if you would. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12. You know, a lot of people don't believe the story of Jonah and the whale. <clears throat> you know that? If you believe that Jesus Christ is God, co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, then you will believe what he said. Jesus Christ himself said that the Bible is true. Jesus Christ didn't uh, question anything. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 18 of Matthew, he said, not one jot or one tittle will pass from the law. That means every little squiggle, every little apostrophe or period, not one jot or tittle will will cease to exist in God's word. It will all stay. It will all remain. In Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> here's what he said in verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said to them all, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas, or Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Did Jesus believe in the story of Jonah and the whale? Yeah. Jesus believed the story of Jonah and the whale. And he said, the people in Nineveh's day believe Jonah more than you people are believing me right now. And then in chapter 19, you know what else Jesus believed in? Jesus believed in the creation. Well, that's not hard to understand. He was the creator. By him, all things were made. But you know how many people don't believe in the creation? There's even people who call themselves Christians that don't believe in the creation. But in Matthew 19, verse 3 and 4, the Pharisees came to him, tempting him and saying unto him, it is, is it lawful 
for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And for this cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Notice he didn't say, Have you not read the science books that after millions of years they evolved? figured out who to marry and, and mate with no that's not what he said he said God made them male and female Jesus believed that Jesus believed the count of creation and marriage and not only that but Jesus also believed another story that's hard to believe Matthew chapter 24 it's not hard for me to believe but it's hard for a lot of people to believe Matthew 24 and verse 35 Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. There, that's why I believe God's word is more important than whatever anything somebody else says today. But you know what he goes on to talk about right after he says that? He talks about a story that a lot of people don't believe, Noah and the ark. It says in verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall be also the coming of the Son of Man be, for as in the days of were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He believed the account of Noah and the ark. He believed these stories that people doubt today. People doubt the story of Jonah and the whale. I remember hearing about a girl in her class. I don't know where, how old she was exactly, but she was at school and, and um the teacher found out she was a Christian and she said, you really believe Jonah and the whale that a man was swallowed by a whale and lived inside of a whale for three days? you believe that? The girl said, yeah, of course I do. She said, that's, oh, that's ridiculous. How could a man live inside of a whale for three days? And the little girl said, well, I don't know, but one day I'm going to go to heaven and meet Jonah and I'll ask him. And the teacher said, how do you know Jonah's even in heaven? What if Jonah's not in heaven? And the t- girl said, well, I guess one day you can ask him. People can make fun of Jonah and the whale, and they can make fun of the word of God. But you know what? One day I'm going to meet these people. I'm going to ask them what it was like for three days. I'm going to see the real ark, not just the replica. I'm going to see creation, what it was supposed to be like in the millennium. And then Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, here's another interesting thing. Jesus believed the Old Testament, and he quoted from it and and emphasized how important it was. In Luke chapter 24, he's talking to those two disciples that were brokenhearted because he had died. In verse 25, Luke 24, 25, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't you know that Christ was supposed to suffer? Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, that would be the first five books and then all the other books, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He just went from Genesis all the way to Malachi and just started talking about all the prophecies that had to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they were amazed. They didn't know it was him until it was all done. Verse 44, it says, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That's the prayer we should have. Lord, help me to understand the scriptures. Your scriptures aren't wrong. I just have a dumb brain. Lord, 
Open my eyes. Help me to see what I have not seen before and understand the scriptures. Jesus believed the Old Testament. Is someone who denies the Bible foolish enough to think he knows more than the Son of God? Let us stand without apology and believe what Christ himself believes, that the Bible is the word of God. Anyone who says that they have doubts about the word of God, they have no business pretending to be a Christian. They have no business pretending to be. I, I, I know of a preacher, Lutheran preacher, who didn't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. What in the world are you doing in that job? You know, if you don't believe that, what do you believe? It wasn't hard to understand why his family was the way it was, understanding that he didn't believe the word of God. If you can't believe Jesus and what he said about the word of God, what can you believe? The Bible is the word. Of, and by the way, Jesus never quoted from the Apocrypha. And so we don't use the Apocrypha as the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus didn't give credence to some other, but he gave credence to the word of God. He, he quoted many of the Old Testament books, and we know that. And, and we should be people who really believe and want to know and understand. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, listen to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We need to recognize that this, whether, whether or not we know that Paul wrote Thessalonians or Paul wrote Romans or Paul wrote Galatians or Ephesians, whether or not we know that he was the human author, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul said, I love the fact that you Thessalonians just received it like it was really God's word. Please don't come to church and always try to just pick apart and say, well, I think that's just his opinion. Listen, sometimes preachers just give their opinion. I know. However, if you're hearing it preached from the word of God, it isn't just their opinion if, they, if they're showing it to you from the word of God. I just stumbled on this the other day. Some young person left a Gideon New Testament here in the building. And, and because it's the Gideon New Testament, there might be a chance if it's an older one that it's a King James New Testament. So I open it up and I look to see if, and I'll look at some for some verses that I know are King James. And uh, and sure enough, this one wasn't. I went to Acts. I just flipped open. It was Acts chapter 2. So I went to the last verses. And I have that last verse pretty much memorized. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. And in the little Gideon that I have in the in the office, it says, The Lord added to their number such as should be saved. So, well, is that a big deal? Well, <clears throat> when you're trying to show church means assembly, and you're trying to show people the idea of a local church versus just number, what's number? You see, you see what I'm saying? There's just little subtle changes like that because <clears throat> the word church actually means assembly and people don't want to assemble. Here's a lot of people want to hear a, you know, hear a message once in a while, but they don't want to have to belong and commit to a local assembly. But when you read the word of God, you read that there's local churches that they belong to and they joined and were a part of. That's where they went. <clears throat> And if you can erase the idea of church, you can erase the idea of other things in the word of God. And that's what's going on. Of course, Acts chapter 8, I didn't even get to Acts chapter 8, but Acts chapter 8, ta-da, 37's missing. If you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. Well, they just take that verse out. No belief anymore. 
Listen, we need to recognize that modern Bible versions are doing just like Satan used to do, and that is cast doubt on the Bible. And so we need to recognize that it's important that we use our brain, that we think, and we don't just take man's opinions. And if you go on the Internet, you can see some really crazy goofballs. Some of them claim to be Baptists, independent Baptists. And they say some crazy things, and they're always coming up with some sensational thing to do or say. But listen, if they're just preaching and teaching and showing you the Word of God, it says in Hebrews, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, if they have spoken into the Word of God, if it is the Word of God, follow it, and follow them as they follow Christ. And let's understand that, as Paul said, they received it not as the Word of men, but as the Word of God. You know that I'm not going to try to tell you or force you to do something that is just my opinion if I have no Bible to back it up. And then thirdly, not only do we see the testimony of the Bible and the testimony that Jesus gave about the Bible, but also, and I think this is a very special one, we see the testimony of those who have trusted the Lord concerning the Bible. In other words, the, the change that the Bible has made in people's lives Look at 2 Timothy again. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. We read verse 16, but now I want to read verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul said, Timothy, from a child, you have known the scriptures. I just was reading in Acts this week about how that Timothy was the son of a Jew who believed, but his father was a Greek and the, and the father was not a believer. The mother was a believer, but not the father. And Timothy was a child who was raised spiritually by the mother and the grandmother. Look at Second Timothy chapter number one and verse number five. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Why was Timothy such a godly young man? Because Timothy was raised with the Bible. Oh, but math is so important, and science is so important, and reading and writing and all that stuff is so important, and their social life, they've got to have a social life, and oh, we've got to make sure that they're involved in all these different things that's going to really help them, and they've got to learn how to be able to add some tract. And listen to me, the Bible is the most important education tool in the world. And if you have everything else but the Bible, you didn't get educated. You didn't get a proper education. If you know the word of God, you can speak good English for one thing because this is old English. If you know the word of God, you can think right and you'll know what to do and say. There's so many young people out there that have been equipped with all kinds of things, but they haven't been equipped for life. They've been equipped for knowledge about other things, but they're not equipped for life. They're not equipped for marriage. They're not equipped for what really matters when things get rough. But Timothy was one of those people who, who was influenced by the Bible. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And everybody who believes the Bible, their life is changed. Taking God at his word. And you'll find he keeps his word. How do you know you're saved? Well, well, 
Well, I, I remember how I got, no. How do you know that what you have is a guarantee? How do you know that the salvation you say you have is a guarantee? I bought things at Sears that had a lifetime guarantee. Problem is, Sears don't exist anymore. How do you know that what you have is a guarantee? Because it came from a source that is guaranteed. And what I love about the Bible is the evidence of a changed life in people. The Bible changes people. It's one of the greatest testimonies of the Bible. I think the Bible is cool because of the historical evidence. I mean, because of the Bible, we have certain holidays. Because of the Bible, we have B.C. and A.D. They try to say, no, 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 it's B.C.E. and C.E. You know, before the Common Era and the Common Era. And the question to that is, so what, what made the change? What made the change from BCE to CE, right? No, BC is before Christ. AD, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And our whole system is on the Bible. I think it was during the French Revolution. You know, American Revolution, French Revolution. Why is the French Revolution so different from the American Revolution? Because the French Revolution didn't have any Bible. In fact, if I remember right, they tried to go to a 10-day work week. And it was a complete failure. Well, why don't they go to a 10-day work week? And why haven't other people, con- you know, why do we have a 7-day week? Why do we have like a 7-day week and, uh, and we're supposed, why do we have, why, why is it kind of a natural thing that we have a day of rest? And, oh, I know where it comes from. As a matter of fact, there's nothing else in the entire universe that operates on a 7-day rotation except our Bible taught us that. Why do we have Christmas? Why do we have, we know why. And God's word is so obvious in history and in science. We could talk about the life of the flesh is in the blood. And if your blood flow and your blood circulation isn't healthy, you got problems. And the Bible said that. The Bible is very scientific and yet the Bible is not a science book, but it's scientifically accurate. But even more important than history and science, my favorite part about the Bible is how it changes lives. There are people sitting here who used to not be a Christian, used to be headed towards hell and destruction, and God's word is what's changed your life and is still changing your life. John chapter 7, I'm almost done. John chapter 7 and verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. How do you know the Bible's really true, Pastor? Well, I'll tell you what, if you'll just do it, you'll find out. That's what happened to Lou Wallace. He started doing the Bible and he found out it was true. You do it and then you'll know. And then look back at John chapter 5. I said we'd go to this later. John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You can't just hear it. You've got to believe it. 
But you can't believe it without hearing it. That's why we got to preach it. That's why we got to share it so that people can hear it. And after they hear it, hopefully they'll believe it. And everyone who has been saved can give testimony that believing God's word has changed their life. And that's probably the best testimony of the Bible. The best testimony of the Bible that you can give is just how it has changed you for the better. And the the thing about being a human being is it's hard to prove this in a year or two. But as I go back and I look at my, 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 my dad and mom, they were not raised in Christian homes, but they started going to church and they started reading the word of God and they didn't just go to church Sunday morning. They were going Sunday night, they were going Wednesday night and they were starting to learn and getting involved and, get, and getting really involved in God's word and started learning things about what the Bible said. And I'm telling you, after a while, they started making decisions. Well, what was happening is they were making decisions to walk away from a life they used to live. And as they were walking away from some of the lifestyle they used to live, the relatives started to notice. And we get together for family, and pretty soon it's like, oh, you guys are religious, nuts, blah, 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 and whatever. And, and I'm telling you, it's frustrating. It's, it's just, it was just frustrating, and it was not nice. It was not fun. But I'm telling you, after 30 years and 40 years, you look back and say, wow, there is a difference between our family and our extended family. And I know what the difference is. That book, that's the difference. I mean, that's the difference. I'm talking about the patriarch passing away and squabbling and all this stuff over inheritance. That book right there is what makes the difference. The Bible says wisdom is justified over children. You raise your kids with this book you won't be embarrassed about your children. The book makes the difference. The more they're educated, the more they know, the more they'll think straight and have a better understanding of what God's word would have them to do. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This book, I love this book because I know it's true. I love this book because it's proved itself to me to be true. And I love this book because it has changed me and my family and my direction. I don't have grandkids yet, but... Maybe I will someday, and if I do have grandchildren someday, I do know they've got a great chance at knowing this book because of who their parents are. And we need to recognize that makes a difference, and it changes a society. And notice what Satan wants to do more than anything. Just get rid of this right here. He doesn't care if people are religious. He doesn't even care if you talk about Jesus as long as you don't know the one that's really in here. But this book right here, changes people and uh, if it's just a book then why are they so nervous if it's just a book why is it outlawed in over outlawed in over 40 some countries it's just a book no it's more than a book it's the word of god let's pray lord we thank you for your word without it there's no reason for us to meet there's no reason for us to be here there's no reason for us to have any hope of anything um, we don't even have hope of a resurrection without the bible We've never seen one. But we know it exists because of the Bible. Lord, without the word, we don't really have anything. And marriages fall apart, families fall apart, and everything falls apart when we get away from the word. Lord, help us to realize the importance of success is through your word, meditating, 
day and night, following, respecting it, fearing it, living it, loving it. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to be confident of it and help us to share it and, and give it to everyone we can. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.